This presentation is from Design Research 2020, Day 2. Our first talk is coming from Karina Hickey. Karina is going to be tackling uh, a problem that I'm sure many of you actually uh, are confronted by when trying to communicate to others, particularly potential employers, the work that you've done and your experience um, as a design researcher and as a UX researcher. So we are about to be joined. Here she comes. Hi, Karina. Hey, can, how are you going? I can hear Just you, let me do some um, think out loud and eye tracking while I see if I can get this joined. <laughs> All good. There you are. Hello. All right. I'm going to talk about how you make post-it notes sexy. So I want to start with a show of hands. And if you were sitting in front of me right now, I'd ask you to raise your freshly washed and sanitized hands. But we're going to try and do this uh, via the online chat function. So I'm going to present three different options. And I want you to choose the number one, two, or three and pop that number in the chat function that best represents your current situation in terms of your online presence or online portfolio. So number one is you don't have any kind of portfolio of your research or your design work, but you're interested in having one. Number two is you do have something already, whether that's a personal website or something that's hosted on a third party website like Behance. And number three is you don't have one, but it's not relevant to you, you're not interested in it, or maybe you're at a point in your career where you just don't need a portfolio to show off your stuff anymore. I'm going to have a look and see what we've got in the chat function. Q&A. So number one, two or three, we've got a three, we've got a three. Cool. I'll wait for a few more people to come in. So, ah, okay, there's a few more coming in. All right, so place on current slide. Oops, no, close that. Sorry, just a moment. Okay, so from my perspective, uh, I'm in the process of transitioning away from academic research into more product-based research. So I wanted to know how do I make things like my published journal articles, which are objectively boring, into visually appealing elements to include in a research portfolio. And I realised that designers have it easy. Designers can have all these elements to include in their portfolio, um, product shots, logos, websites, screen grabs, all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to researchers, here are some of the things that I've worked on lately that I'm a bit perplexed about how I make sexy. So first up, here is some uh, testing that I ran last week for a medical database that I'm helping to iterate and improve. So we've got different personas doing some um, online testing of this prototype. And there's some great data in there, some great pass and fails, some great comments and feedback, but objectively, this is not sexy. Then we have me hosting a UX workshop. Look how hard I'm working. There are one, two, three, four screens in front of me. I've got people dialing in, I'm facilitating, I'm keeping people engaged, but it's a pretty boring photo. Can't stick that in my portfolio. Next up, we have some uh, qualitative interviews I was doing for a HR company. I ran about 15 over the phone interviews, got some great rich data, some great responses, but look at that. It's a Google form. It's pretty boring, not sexy. And next up, we have some sexy post-it notes, which apparently you can buy online if you're into that sort of thing, but completely irrelevant to UX research. So sexy, but not relevant. So thankfully, I've realized that there's a process to create your research portfolio that's going to be visually appealing and um, give, give, make you stand out. 
And that involves choosing your format, choosing your content and telling your story. So choosing your format, there are basically three different options to choose from and I'll walk through those. Choosing your content is going to be about choosing the most compelling case studies that show off your skills and abilities. And we're going to talk through an acronym of how you present that case study in, form, in the form of a compelling story. So I'm just going to pop this over here. Uh, Sarah Doody, you can find her information and articles online and she goes into depth about the three different types of ways you can present a research portfolio and the pros and cons of each. So first up is a personal website. So this is something like a website you create on Squarespace or Wix, or if you've got the ability, you can code something yourself. Next is a platform-based website. So little effort required from you, you would just upload your content onto Behance or Dribbble or something like that. Then a PDF portfolio is something that you could create in, um, in Keynote, for example. The pros and cons of each. So a personal website, obviously you have complete control over what goes into it. You could self-promote by using um, your name as a URL, but you're constrained by the template, such as whatever WordPress, WordPress template format you're using. And I would say the biggest drawback of this is that uh, your portfolio can't be tailored for each potential job you're applying for, for each recruiter, or for each um, consultant or client that you're working with. Next up is a platform website. So this would be something like Dribbble or Behance. So you upload your, your content, your research, your design, and people would say that there's a lot more potential for exposure because um, people are sort of observing and looking at perusing other people's, um, other people's content. It's easy to use, but one of the drawbacks would be that you're just one click away from the next person's interesting, shiny, distracting portfolio. They could be looking through all of your content and then just get distracted by someone else and you miss out on that job or that opportunity. And again, the same drawback is the personal website, the content can't be tailored. Next up, which seems to be the sweet spot is the PDF portfolio. So this is quick and easy to design. If you've worked on a lot of um, confidential projects with non-disclosure agreements, you might have more leeway including those in a portfolio, uh, a PDF version that's not hosted online. One of the downsides is that it's not discoverable, but the biggest benefit of a PDF portfolio is that you can customize or tweak each of the case studies for the different role that you're applying for or for different clients. So should you have all three at once? No, you'd burn yourself out trying to make all three. The general consensus is just stick with the best one that's suitable for you at this current moment. Or you might like to have a combination of both, for example, a personal website with a bio and some generic case studies, but go into more detail in your PDF portfolio. Sorry, okay, got a click with the mouse. Um, your portfolio will never be done, so don't strive for perfection. So Sarah Judy summarizes this as just do something, something is better than nothing. And I would say what better time than now to update your portfolio, your LinkedIn, to create a portfolio from scratch if you don't have one. While you're sitting at home quarantined, working from home, this is the best time to be doing that. There's basically three elements that you want to include in your portfolio. And if you want more information on this, check out uh, Emerson Schroeter or David Travis. They write extensively about the elements and what to include. So a bio is really important. You want to tell your research process, a bit of information about you, your work history, include a photo if you feel comfortable doing that. The case studies are really the, the whole focus or the meat in a sandwich of your portfolio. And you want to include maybe three to five of those and choose the ones that are, are the most relevant to the role you're applying for, whether that's in terms of the methodology or the skills and attributes. 
and the ones that have had the biggest impact, especially if you can quantify that impact. So if you worked on a project where you uh, reduced bounce rate or you decreased um, abandoned carts in the checkout process, and you, you've got some numbers behind that, you can quantify that and show business impact, absolutely include those. Testimonials are great to have. And some people would also say including professional development courses, qualifications, et cetera. Okay, this is the crux of the whole issue. If you're a user experience researcher, you don't design screens, you design experiences. So here we are, we're not trying to make post-it notes sexy, we're trying to use post-it notes to tell a story, tell a story about our research process and the impact that it's had. So credit again to uh, David Travis for this acronym. This is a way that you can present your case studies rather than trying to pick out the most visually appealing elements, the personas or whatever it might be. You wanna actually tell a story of what you did and the acronym is POWER. So starting with project, provide the context and the role within your team. So if you are working in a team of five, don't take credit for the work that the designer did or the copywriter did. Highlight what you did as a researcher to make an impact. What problem are you trying to achieve and were you trying to solve and how did you achieve that? Uh, what methodologies did you choose and why? What was the end result in terms of deliverables or business outcomes? If you have a statement such as, because of my research X, then include that. And I think it's also important to include a reflection of what you learned and what you do differently next time. Inevitably, something goes wrong with every single research project. And that's great because you learn from that. Show your growth as a researcher in your portfolio. So I want to show you a short one minute YouTube video of a live critique of a portfolio. Um, and this is from David Travis. So he's never seen this, this person's portfolio before and he does a think out loud methodology to give some insights into what you should and shouldn't include and how to format your portfolio. So hopefully you can still see my screen and I'm just gonna play this. And to go through it. So uh, that was a good experience. Let's move on to our next one. This is Marie Maria and a great um, front, front page. Oops, let me reset my timer. Great front page. It engages me, it draws me in, um, it, the strong eye contact in the photograph. Uh, that's a very compelling image to begin with. And then we've got the about page. Again, this looks really good. Um, now we move on to the, the case studies, the brief, the did key tools and deliverables and the results. And I really like this structure. Okay, I know that this is the template I gave you that you could use. Um, but this is this to me makes the whole thing really manageable um, for me to go through. It's really clear um, what each of these are about. It's nice and short. I can skip over it. Um, I don't need to spend a long time going through the whole thing. Um, so we've got various, uh, we've got various case studies. Then we move on to some details about the training, uh, testimonials. Um, so uh, I like that structure. Again, that was a, uh, an impressive use of one minute of my time. Let's move on to our. Okay, so I really recommend watching the rest of that video if this does interest you and if you do have time. He's ruthless, he's honest, and he gives you some great confidence in terms of what you should and shouldn't be including in a portfolio. I also wanted to show you um, four different examples of what I think are great research portfolios. I'm not going to go into detail. I'm basically just going to show you the, um, the URLs or the titles of those. And if you want to have a look, please do in your own time. I'm showing you these because I think they all present different uh, methodologies. They've all worked on different projects, but they have a really clear format of telling a story and showing their impact. 
The first is from Jason Lipchin, uh, who works for TomTom. And if you scroll down to his second case study in particular, it's really compelling. I also like Chloe Blanchard's Biomed app and the way she presents her portfolio, which is a website-based one. Uh, Katie McCurdy would be one of my third favourites, and she especially has a great project, with, which is an orientation guide for hospitalised kids' parents. And lastly, if you're so inclined, check out Jules Lee's online research portfolio. One element I wanted to highlight in Jules's portfolio is the way that they present a qualitative survey. So this is what I would call boring content. It's um, a question in a type form survey, but the way that they've screenshotted it and presented it by just encasing it in an image of a tablet adds some visual appeal. So even though the message overall is you're not trying to make your portfolio sexy, there are still ways that you can use visually appealing elements to sort of present things. Humans are visual creatures and we do judge people on that fact. So if you want to have a look through those four different portfolios, you can see ways that they've presented research, boring research in a sexy, visually appealing way. So before we open to questions, I have one final question for you, which, and I'm sorry to flood the chat feature, if you do have an online portfolio, uh, a sample of your work, something that's got a URL, and you feel comfortable linking that in the chat feature, um, if you're feeling brave today, go for it. If it's a networking thing, go for it. I would love to see what, what's out there. I have no intention of critiquing your portfolio. Uh, I don't think anyone else does. It would just be a great networking tool, I think, and I would love to see um, some of the people at this conference. That's it from me. Thanks kindly. Thanks, Karina. That was excellent. I have one quick question for you. In terms of positioning yourself for a more senior role, so if you're looking to um, put forward the case that I'm now ready for more responsibility or a more senior role, would you do any of this differently? Yeah, good question. I think sometimes people's resumes speak for themselves. So I imagine like someone like Lisa Reichelt wouldn't really have to make a portfolio because her resume, her outcome speaks for itself. And maybe it's more of a case that people in those positions that they've networked their way into, into the top when they don't need a portfolio. I guess um, in terms of a different format or a different style, maybe it would just be that your the impact that you have is higher. So uh, you might you might be able to have more sort of more clear business outcomes or more clear impact or reduce costs or whatever it is if you're more senior. But still, I think any portfolio is better than none. That's great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for sharing that. Emily.